What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the In The Round podcast. Uh, today, a very special episode. Um, a guy that I've looked up to for a long time and I'm lucky enough to call a good buddy here in Nashville, Tennessee. You know him from Whiskey Jam, you know him from Apple Music Country. Uh, it's our good buddy, Mr. Ward Gunther. Ward, how you doing, dude? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me out. It feels like I'm in a, a, a celebrity location. You know, I've seen this these couches and these microphones so many times. <laughs> I'm like, I'm finally in the place where all, my, all these people come and do it, man. Yeah, we've had, a lot, it. Yeah, we've had a lot of, a lot of the um, homies as far back as like guys like Joey Hyde that yeah, that you've known forever. Oh, yeah. guys like Grady Smith that are that are um, that we've known for a while that have just gotten into town. Right, mixed it up, man. But how's twenty twenty three going for you so far? Twenty three is good so far. Um, we had a real, I feel like a small slow season window. The way that the holidays worked out this year, January or New Year's Day Eve ish was right before like a Monday night for Whiskey Jam, and so I was like, man, do we do we have it? Do, uh, people will probably still be in town. They'll probably be hungover. Who knows? Um, and we ended up having it and was a good crowd kind of small but the next one was back to just bonkers so yeah um our our short season is is real tiny yeah that's like i figure it's in between like thanksgiving which thanksgiving whiskey jam is one of my favorites because like when it falls when it's like on that on on that thursday yeah and you used to break out the turkey hat the yeah. turkey head was one of my favorites Man, that when was I first moved to town. that was a special um time i feel like in the whiskey jam moment we were busy enough to where we could have people in the bar pretty much any night of the week and around thanksgiving it was unique because a lot of people went home you know so many people live in nashville from other places and they go home obviously on thanksgiving for the bigger the bigger family holidays i took it as an opportunity to invite in locals and it's like hey man who lives here who wants to come play and um, I think like the peak of that was when Ernest was still kind of writing songs and hadn't quite gotten into the artist place yet, but he was he came out and played on just the locals only night and playing some of his songs he's written. Like a, I remember distinctly him singing You Can't Drink All Day if you don't start in the morning yeah. for Jake Owen. <laughs> and the crowd, not that big crowd, was all just kind of cheering along. I'm like, man, that's just it. You know, those Thanksgiving nights taking advantage of the people that live in, in Nashville to come and just have fun playing music. And you have a, a, a small little cozy crowd and you get moments like that. And uh, we stopped doing Thanksgiving after the, the pandemic because after we broke that streak, you know, we were, we were trying to never miss a Monday, never miss a whatever. Yeah. Like if it snows, still have the show. After the pandemic, I was like, you know what? Let's focus on quality over quantity. We don't have to do every single one. When and you talk about the pandemic, I think grow it. Oh, you guys found a way to really grow Whiskey Jam during that around the world by doing Risky Jam, where you guys did the the Instagram live yeah. things, bro. I remember watching that stuff during quarantine and the amount of people that were jumping in on that, whether it's the artists that were hopping on playing a song with as good of quality as you could have had on an Instagram yeah. live, but the, the, <laughs> all the folks that got introduced to Whiskey Jam and made it part made it part of their music ex intake experience and all that yeah. stuff like it's a wild uh segment in my my phone or my uh picture book to look back through you know i'll, I'll be scrolling looking for stuff every now and then and you pass through the the risky jam moment those few months where we were stuck at home and we were doing everything on instagram live and we had access to artists that it would be difficult to get john party and ashley mcbride on the same whiskey jam night but getting them to tune in from their home it's like have a bottle of wine and sing some songs and tell some stories we got access to guys like taylor lewan or brad paisley people who would never make it out to winners yeah. on a monday 
they were happy to participate because it was just such a, a, a special moment. We needed that connection, and we didn't know how bad it was without it until we had gone a few weeks, and it was like, uh-oh, what do we do? Yeah. Um, I remember that first night after everything shut down, the first Monday I texted my manager. I was like, man, I, what do I do? I feel weird. I feel like it's helpless out here. And he goes, just get on there and see what happens. We didn't have a lineup or anything, so I just turned it on, and we never go live. And so, you know, when you see something on Instagram Live that nobody ever goes, it's like so-and-so is going live for the first time ever. Um, we had a bunch of great people pop in, and it was so it was as organic and natural as the early Whiskey Jams where we didn't have a lineup, and you just invited your buddies out. Yeah. And it's like, you know, in the early nights of the Kipmores and the Brett Eldridges popping up to sing a song before they were – doing what they were doing now um similar kind of stuff on those risky jams it's like man just have a hannah dasher and a joey hyde and a brian beaver and a brett tyler pop up and sing some songs and um i don't know it was it was really natural really fun really felt good one of the the proudest things that we one of the things that i'm most proud of from that time yeah i see i remember so um, I moved to town in, in the fall of 2018 mm-hmm. and I remember I came down and visited my buddies, um, my buddies, Dave Hangley, Jake Arch, guys from up in the Jersey area yeah. that used to bug me once a week after they moved here. Dude, you got to move here. Dude, you got to move here. So I came down to visit them and my first whiskey jam was the night that show up drunk came out for Ryan Nelson. Oh, wow. So my first experience was watching that night of, is that the night he broke his thumb I think on the base? I think so. He was doing something crazy. He, yeah. I just remember seeing this guy and thinking it was was like as close to Joaquin Phoenix portraying Johnny Cash because it was when he had just cut his hair, yeah. he had his blazer on, and he's just pure bread. Okay. Ryan Nelson yeah, yeah. just getting after it. And I remember being like, "Holy shit, this is this is Nashville right here!" Like this, like I was like, "Oh yeah, I, I don't have this shit in New York. I, I work in country radio, but I don't have this right. experience up here. Like this is just insane." And to see, and now it's it's been it's been cool to like kind of watch that all grow from where it was in 2018 to now being able to do my own event here in town. And mm-hmm. like, it's, it's been, I mean, you're, I, I refer to you as the Godfather. That's what I refer to you as, as oh, far wow. as putting events in <laughs> town, you know, it's funny, man. Cause like, I mean, I appreciate the, the compliment. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's funny thinking about it like that, like a Godfather in char- that is a, over a, a, a thing because there wasn't ever really a thing. That's what I'm saying. Who was who? Like, what was going on in the days of early whiskey jam? The, what free the things that events? we were initially compared to, and that we kind of, if if you could say, modeled after, uh, would be Music Mafia, which was John Rich or Big and Rich, Gretchen Wilson. Um, who uh, who were the guys that were doing that? Cowboy Troy was a part of it. It was a handful of artists um, that every Tuesday at Mercy Lounge, they had Music Mafia, and it was this big collective of musicians and singers and songwriters, and they would get together, and they had this huge jam, and they were really, really all incredibly talented. Um, Was it just the same people, though, or did they mix it up? Yeah, so they did it like 70-something weeks. That was what we had heard, 72 weeks was their run, and... It was incredible because then you watched, like, in that moment, it was so popular in town, you watched these artists take off. And so you'd have Gretchen Wilson go and hit the road and do her thing, and she was singing songs that John Rich had written for her, and Big and Rich got their takeoff, and it was like one by one they all took flight, and the Music Mafia thing kind of disappeared, disintegrated because the, the group was gone. And I don't know if I took, if that 
registered to me initially in as we were planning it because initially it was me and Josh or my buddy Josh Hogue and I started it and we were just flying by the seat of our pants kind of figuring it out as we go so I don't think there was any strategy I didn't see that and say we don't want to do what they did it just naturally worked out that whether it was our attention spans or our trying to get as many people as possible involved that wanted to play appease everybody help our friends out um we changed the lineup so regularly you had a couple guys that would play a lot um the Jonathan Singletons and Channing Wilsons and uh Chris Gilbutas in the early days like you had a lot of the guys. guys that were hanging out at Tin Roof right like the guys that were just in the scene that, yeah and our, our buddies they... that we were writing with honestly yeah. you had a few of those kind of sprinkled in there so you'd see them a couple times a month but for the most part it was changing constantly and pretty early on I recognized like okay that's a that's a feature that makes us really different, you know, having different people in every time, g- getting all of their quote-unquote fan bases at the time, their social groups, knowing about what Whiskey Jam is. It really spread the word fast, even just to small groups um, a little bit at a time. So, yeah, I mean, at that point, Billy Block was doing The Rock Block, which was a major deal. I mean, he was on, he had TV shows. Yeah. Uh, so that was... Um, that was huge. There was there were things around town. I remember going to Daniel Tashin, who produced um, Golden Hour for Casey Musgraves, one of the better producers and songwriters of our age. Had an event at Twelfth and Porter that was, but it was more of a sign up writers night. I remember going early on and had the sign up sheet, and I'd signed up. He's like, "What do you sound like?" And I'm like, "Oh, Dave Matthews." You know, like never got <laughs> called to play, <laughs> just what they wanted. But I saw so much great music there, and. I don't know if I was inspired by not getting to play um, that made us like get into start Whiskey Jam up. Like, I'll, if I can't play there, I'll make my own place. There were a few things around town. I can't say it was like I wanted to be like somebody or somebody else. It was mainly just I wanted to play music with my friends and have yeah. fun because yeah. we, uh, we had all played enough writer's nights that even you'd invite your friends out too that were ended up just them being six guys at a table in the back. And when you're done, you're like, okay, we got to get out of here. You know, it was more embarrassing than it was showcasing your sound and your songs. Yeah. What was Demumbrian like back then? Man, Demumbrian. Was that when Shoney's was across man. the street and there was like the grass parking lot and all <laughs> man, those days? I don't know if Shoney's was still open, but that parking lot was still there. I mean, for quite a while, where 1505 is now, it was a, a flat lot and you'd have. Um, people, it was great. You could park there all night and you could leave your car overnight, which is huge, which was massive at the time. Um, you would had people getting, picking up uh, tour bus drop offs there. Um, but yeah, Demumbrian was tin roof, the anchor, as it always has been Dan McGinnis down on the end. They had their own separate music scenes. Dan McGinnis had like a kind of rock scene and a, uh, songwriter scene. I didn't spend much time there because I was spent every moment of my life free at the tin roof. Um, when I wasn't bartending at Tin Roof 2 in Cool Springs, I was hanging out on Demumbrian. And it was a different scene, man. They had a little coffee shop next door called Caffeine that had writer's nights. They had a little bar in the middle uh, for a while. It was called Two Doors Down at one point. Then it turned into Closing Bell um, before it became like South. I don't know where. It was a place that South is. Um, was called Closing Bell. We used to have little gigs up there. It was a lot of cover gigs in that scene at the time. You know, what you... What we're used to cover gigs now in the downtown area were way different. It was a couple guys and a guitar sitting in the corner at these massive bars, you know? Yeah. Even what I was doing on Monday nights 15 years ago, 
was playing like a three-man cover gig with David Nail and the owner of Tin Roof's wife. Um, I don't know. It was, it was a different scene. That was an important moment in my life. I realized when the owner, when we got fired from that gig, that was my first lesson in like, hey, it's not personal. It doesn't matter if you get fired from gigs from here on out because the owner just fired his wife. And so it just didn't work out for, yeah. for the Monday night feel. Um, but yeah, it was a, it's wild to drive down there now and see that's the exit I take, and I drive by Tin Roof, and I drive by Live Oak, and I drive by Doghouse, and Two Bits, and everything, and I see it on my way to Whiskey Jam. I'm like, man, how things have changed. And you'll have, even in the time that we've existed, it's changed a lot. I used to drive by those bars and go, there's not too many, how many people in there, you know, like, I hope they're all at, I hope they're all at Winners. I get to Winners, like, yeah, there's the crowd. And then now it's like, oh, man, that place is busy, and that place is busy, and they're busy, and I get to Winners, and we're busy. It's like, yeah. there's enough people to go around at this point. The whole scene can thrive on any right? given night. We used to be fighting for the same 500 social beings that would be out in Nashville on a Monday night, and now there are enough places that 500, like, several pods of 500 can be in different parts of town. It's, yeah, and it's a wild. Yeah, and a bar in East can be packed, and downtown can still be busy on yep. any given night, which is just wild. When did you guys get into doing the merchandising? Like, what was the first Whiskey Jam shirt or the first Whiskey Jam hat? Because the, that, to me, is a staple of Nashville, too, at least since I've been here, is yeah. Whiskey Jam merch. I mean, I've got the shirt on right here. I mean, you can't <laughs> go around Midtown or East or even downtown and not see a Whiskey Jam hat in a group of people. I feel like it's been we've done a good job of keeping it kind of kind of underground while it's still accessible you can get online and order whatever we've got but there, it's i don't know it's not the most organized it's hard to find certain things but if you go to the show it's like this is the only physical place in the world that you can get these things and so it's a it's this um not a rite of passage but it's a a moment where you're like that's cool you know i'm, I'm doing something cool it's not like going to hard rock cafe in a city that you're visiting it's like i got yeah. the one from milwaukee or whatever it's like man you are at the only place that this exists it represents something it's not just a i don't know a, a lifestyle brand or a status symbol it's like you have been to something cool and so you wearing that people would know like oh man he, he's yeah. been to yeah this show he believes in what that it means um first artist you got wearing a whiskey jam shirt or a hat well i'm thinking about the i was thinking about the first <laughs> stuff we made um we i i kind of I don't say this the wrong way. <laughs> I, I made a design based on a Billy Joel shirt that I really liked. I'd seen these vintage Billy Joel shirts on eBay, and they were $300. And I'm like, man, I can't afford a $300 Billy Joel shirt. Maybe I should make one that looks like it that just says Whiskey Jam instead. So we did, and that was the first one. It was honestly, so I could have that cool shirt and save the, um, the eBay fee, whatever. <laughs> and from there... I was like, let's do something more that's ours. You know, I don't want to steal people's designs or uh, whatever. So I we made the red T-shirt that has the TriStar that in the early days, like, it was crazy. Like, overnight, we sold just so many of them. I was selling them at, out of a Tupperware container behind the bar at Tin Roof when I was bartending <laughs> at this point in time. No shit. Oh, yeah. It was, that's awesome. That was that was also a, a, a big part of it. I feel like it was so underground at that point in the early days. Like, if you had one... You had to know somebody. You yeah. had to know, like, where did you get that? Oh, Ward sell him out of his freaking trunk of his car. You know, I was getting hats made in my neighborhood. We lived in East uh, East Nashville. I would buy blank hats from uh, bulk providers online. I would get 
patches made from a custom patch maker, and then I would take them to my neighbor and say, could you sew these on? So it was a, like, four-piece process, um, you know, just putting these things together to do something because we didn't know how to – we weren't at a level where we could, like, get a big hat maker to do stuff for us. Yeah. Kind of bootstrapping our way up, and um, it's it's evolved from there. I'm trying to think. The first the first celebrity that that had one I really have to think is Dirks, you know. He's been such a supporter through the years of Whiskey Jam, of me, of our, um, of our stuff. Uh, it's really, it's been uh, that. That was where it all started, you know. And watching him wear it on national championship performances for football yeah. and on uh, TV appearances, it was like, well, this is awesome. And from there, you get to the modern day where. Half the time I see Jason Aldean in a picture, he's got on one of our hats. It's just like it kind of spreads, and we've yeah. we've grown it really small and slow, and tried to keep it natural where it's not like we're flooding well, the market. As, art, as artists are coming up, wanting the like the artists that have come through and the different classes yeah. that have come up through Whiskey Jam have repped it because they were that was the cool thing to do when they were in town when they were coming up in town, and right. now it's like they're playing stadiums and and shit. And I feel like it has a point in an artist's life like we see these artists come across our stage at a certain point in their career and um it's a special moment for them i've I've talked to several who are like man i really want to get one of those hats but i don't want to wear it until i play here you know it's like it's a it's a a milestone for them and they want to reward themselves with a you know saying they're in the family um and then when they outgrow that i mean i totally get it uh they'll outgrow it and get to the next level and they wear designer stuff or whatever but then you get the occasional really cool kind of crossover moment like we're seeing at bailey zimmerman right now oh dude he's uh, all about it yeah and a few <laughs> like a year ago just over a year ago he was playing whiskey jam and get just getting started just getting comfortable on stage and so we were like dude you're 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 great. You're growing. You're getting better every single time. Things are going well. Come by and and hang out anytime. So he's popped in the office a few times. We always load him up with stuff. And at this point, like it happened so fast that it's like he went to that next level and is and is repping us. So it's a natural kind of yeah. You talk about like artists and and playing whiskey jam. One of my favorite stories. And I want you to tell it for everybody. Is the the Luke Combs playing whiskey jam. Oh, I think yeah, how like, it came about, how, how Luke came about playing whiskey jam back in the tin roof days. It's so crazy, man. And it goes back even further than the, the better or the well-known story. Cause he was emailing me. I've checked my emails a few times, just searching it. He was emailing me from app state back in like 2013. And so wow. he was aware of whiskey jam early, early on and hit us up through like an early submission form, just saying he wanted to play. Then, by the time we got to going back and forth, it was in 2015, um, he was talking about moving to, he had visited a few times and really enjoyed Whiskey Jam and Revival and whatever. And before I actually met him in person, I was bartending at Whiskey Jam, or I was bartending at Tin Roof one night and talking to somebody right here and Luke was over there. And uh, how did that happen? No, I might be getting my story mixed up. Hang on a second. Um... I'll start back with the submission. Um, so he had sent in on like one of our earlier, more kind of primitive submission forms. I didn't see it. I didn't know to pay attention. I couldn't check out music. Well, fast forward a few years, he had been kind of coming back and forth to visit. 
and was at Tin Roof one night. I didn't know it. He was standing probably where you were. I was working with somebody right here, and they were asking me, like, oh, hey, are you Ward that does Whiskey Jam? I said, yeah. They're like, well, I want to play there. How can I get in touch with you? And um, I just gave my email. I was like, it's Ward at WhiskeyJam.com, and Luke overheard it, and he was like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm still shy. He didn't come up and introduce himself. He just wrote it down, and the next day emailed me pretending to be that guy. I was like, hey, we talked last night at, um, at Tin Roof. And I've been coming to visit. I love Revival. I love Whiskey Jam. I love to play your show. It's like, dude, heck yeah, let's let's make it happen. And so it was as simple as that. He got in, um, was still kind of a little shy guy on his first few times playing, but that one, dude, happened so fast. Just uh, those first few performances after uh, he got to town, it was like, okay, 15, 16, 17, and he's gone. And he was so involved in the community, too. Like, he was the guy front row watching. Oh, yeah. Watching the Muscadine Boys, watching Laney Wilson, watching people that were all coming in that class. Man, like, and it's like, it continues to happen. I have one of my favorite pictures is that I just happened to take out of the crowd um, on a random night, and Luke is standing there front and center with his white Columbia shirt on, just staring at the microphone he was out there to support his friends. Yeah. And I still see it every every show, every week, um, looking out at a crowd of artists, not sitting there with their arms crossed, judging, but they're watching and supporting, and they are um, taking notes, and they're seeing artists that they may not know that they want to. You know, it's like, this guy's pretty awesome. We sound a lot alike. We should get to be friends. We might write some music together. You never know. Um, I, that's one of the things I love the most about it. And yeah, he was a, one of the biggest supporters in that world. Yeah. And you guys got to do something really cool with him last year going around to yeah. like, what, what is that experience like? Cause you've done time on the road too, backing up to your days with, with David and right. going out and you've done being out on the road as, as a musician doing, doing the artist thing, all that, but to do it now with like your baby whiskey jam, going out to stadium shows with arguably one of the biggest artists in the world, let yeah. alone just country music yeah. and to have whiskey jam represented there. And now with artists that are doing big things this year, you had him on the come up last year. It's very, what was that whole experience like? It's very interesting to see that all unfold because it came out of, came out of thin air, man. I'd gone to Memphis to see Luke in concert at the pyramid. Um, what year was it? 2021, like November, we had played the tin roof on Beale Street, like a hundred yards away from the FedEx Forum, like three or four years earlier. It was really wild to be there. I'm going, man, how fast things change. So I was like, I got, I got to see this show close to my hometown. I grew up in Memphis. Um, we went, we're sitting in the skybox and Cappy came up and was like, Hey man, glad you guys came. Uh, we had this idea, what would you think about Whiskey Jam going on the road, opening up for Luke like a tailgate party? And I was like, duh. You know, I had always thought in my mind, we talked about like the, the five-year, ten-year dreams and goals. Um, I was like, we should link up with somebody who's doing stadiums. How cool would it be like to on the Kenny Chesney Stadium shows, we're in the parking lot, like set up a van, or set up a bus, turns into a stage, and it's Whiskey Jam pre-party. That was in my mind. That's all yeah. I thought. Bring the outdoor show from the parking lot to the rest of the country. Correct. But all I could think about was people who are currently touring stadiums, and Kenny's about the only person there. I didn't think, the guys that you're dealing with and that you've been there side-by-side side in the trenches with, riding the sprinters across the country, they're going to be in stadiums one day too. And so the timing uh, was had just kind of been going along, alongside us the whole time. like, 
of course he's going into stadiums next year. And so right then I was like, that's incredible, man. What an opportunity. And Luke, of all people in the universe, is so good about keeping his teams close and the people that he came up with around him. Uh, if it works, you know, don't change it. Yeah. And so he kind of gave us free reign creatively, had his input. We, we went back and forth on like, how do you want to do this? How do you want to curate it? And he was like, I kind of want to stay hands off because whiskey jam works. So what's your, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're kind of leaning, run it by us and we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what happens. And yeah, just last year alone, that first show, Bailey Zimmerman opened up for Megan Maroney and then <laughs> Heath Sanders played and it was an incredible, yeah. um, snowy May day and, uh, in Denver and these artists, you could see it that day. Like you, you saw Bailey Zimmerman sign autographs for a full hour after his set because it was that magic moment. People didn't know why or what was going on. They're like, "We got to go meet this kid. This is this is what we're we're here for." And from there, you have uh, the rest of the shows that year were really cool all over the all over the place. Uh, where all did we go? Seattle with Frank Ray and Calista Clark and Noah Hicks and uh, Atlanta. Atlanta got rained out, kind of stinks because it was the last show. We got like dumped on, but Ella Langley. Um, who's going to be a big deal this year. Yes. Yeah. Was on stage when the thunderstorm hit. Um, Corey Kent, Dalton Dover uh, got rained out too. It's like kind of crazy, man, um, that we still are able to attract artists like that and that it happens. Um, so yeah, that that whole concept opened up a new window in our world as Whiskey Jam. Like, okay, we we, we are what we are on writer's night style Mondays and Thursdays, but that audience exists in other places. Yeah. They want, there's people in other cities in all corners of America that want to see the talent of tomorrow today. Yeah. They want to be on the cutting edge. They want to be on the, uh, the first kid on the block to tell their friends. It's a, I feel like it's a product. We have benefited from the streaming revolution because there's a lot of people now that that's their that's their style of music. Hey, what kind of music do you like? I like new music, you know, and you have access to it before anybody else. I don't think people were like that back in the old days, like waiting for the newest, most obscure artist to put out records yeah. at the store. It's like you get to go through an Easter egg hunt. In you, these, get, you get to have, you get to hop on the Country Risers playlist on Apple Music. Yeah, and, exactly. And find out oh, who's dude, and I, popping up. Right, and that's, that's got to be cool too to have that involvement of. Doing the doing whiskey jam like curating the live event thing, yeah. But also having the platforms that you were able to do with Apple Music. Country, it's such dude. a perfect extension. When they approached me about that, they didn't quite have their the the plan fully fleshed out. But they're like, "Listen, we want to. We're going to get into country music. We want to hit a lot of different, um, you know, tiers of it." They had uh, the today's country kind of idea fleshed out. Obviously, want to work with the stars, but you have to consider the stars of tomorrow. And so they're like, when we were looking into Nashville and who might have contact with those people, it was obviously whiskey jam and you. Um, and so that just, I mean, it worked out perfectly. They have an incredible team, um, behind the scenes there and they never get the credit. They never seek the credit. They never want the credit. Um, but music, lovers, music appreciators and understanders that are behind everything that happens at Apple that might not happen at other at every other place. I don't I mean I'm not this is not a throwing arrows at anybody, but the fact that it is so human and 
truly like curated, as corny as that word is, it's it's careful um, at Apple, and they they care for the artist and they care for the song, and it's like, man, that's exactly what we do at Whiskey Jam. I want everybody to feel comfortable. I want everybody to feel appreciated and at home, and uh, in the audience and in the crowd. I mean, and on the stage and in the audience, um, it works out well because I get to treat the the two microphones the same. You know, the microphone in the bar on a Monday night is not much different than the one in the studio every afternoon. It's like, hey, what's up? Welcome. Like, hope you have fun. I hope this is yeah. I hope this is the first time you're hearing this song because I know that this is going to be an amazing moment in your life. Yeah. You know, imagine hearing Channing Wilson for the first time. Oh, dude. <laughs> Dave Finley played a couple weeks ago and yeah. Dave's been a part of some really magic moments at Whiskey Jam and he's still kind of making his name and doing his thing and has had an incredible uh, explosion on YouTube. But that night, a lot of people saw him for the first time, and that's like that's a huge reward. Um, getting to introduce strangers to talent that you know is amazing that has existed for a long time. It's like it's been here all along, man. Yeah, and there's so many different styles of music within Nashville. And I feel like you guys have done a really good job of having like what you guys did with the network with um, yeah. with uh, with Hubert's uh, crew down there. Yeah, um, I thought that was really cool, mixing it up. And I don't like, know how it happened, how it first started that we were. Because I got to know all those guys when I worked security at Whiskey Row. I got to know Colton and Jonathan oh, wow. and um, Trevor and like yeah. all those guys, and they would sit in with Skylar Anderson yeah. in like 2018, 2019. And they would just go on these jams. And I was like, oh, shit, this is cool. And then to see them do what they do and to see you guys go outside of country music and have literally anything and everything style-wise. I feel like that was an important thing to us. I don't know how early that started that we were welcoming anybody, that any kind of artist, as long as it was, you know, objective, whatever. I forget this. We were welcoming all all kind of styles because from the beginning it was never – Ward and Josh's whiskey jam. It was never our personal taste of music on display. It was like, these are our friends. These are some folks that play cool stuff. Let's see what vibe comes up. We attracted a lot of people. We had a lot of folks in the early days be like, hey, man, can I come sing a song on stage? And it's like, you get these amazing moments of, um, I think about like Priscilla Renee, who is now known as Money Long, who is nominated for a Grammy for Best New Artist, who's this incredible R&B artist, but had a, was in town doing some stuff for Nashville, uh, songwriting in Nashville for like Carrie Underwood. She wrote um, something bad for Carrie and Miranda. Oh, no shit. And just kind of wandered up one night at Whiskey Jam. She's like, hey, this is a dope event. You know, can I get up and sing a song? I was like, yeah, whatever, sure, yeah. Like, you look completely different from everybody that's played tonight. You sound like you got some soul, some style. And then she gets up there and she's like, I don't I don't have a guitar. I was like, okay. Um, well, I'll play guitar. What do you want to play? She's like, let's play California King Bed. I was like, it's this more like an original music show. She goes, Oh, I wrote it. You know, she wrote Rihanna's California King Bed. <laughs> and I was like, that is the magic stuff, man. Like, yes, if you're at a show and somebody comes up, if they're being polite, if it's I mean, we've had some people come up recently that were like, you're going to be regret when you didn't let me up on your stage. It's like, you kind of gauge it. But moments like that where it's like, man, let's do it. I say it a lot. Far be it from me to keep somebody from getting on the Whiskey Jam stage if it's their dream, if it's their goal, um, doing it you know, politely in the right way. But that's how we've seen some of our coolest artists. You know, If I turn something on, I go, I don't know of what this – what this even falls under, but it's so different and so unique 
that it's probably special. And man, a beautiful part about what we do, how we get our submissions, how we see artists and the artist level that we deal with, you get a lot of submissions that are like YouTube videos or home recordings or kind of not, not the best production that you've ever heard. They come in and do it live and it's like, holy moly, these guys are amazing. You can't, you can't capture the live sound of some of these young bands no. on a on a you know a home uh, laptop at this point. They need they need bigger studios. They need more time to develop. And especially if it's an artist just kind of like trying to track something or do it acoustic, but then they they make their they make those connections with some badass buddies that are like crazy good musicians too. Yeah, like the band element of like I remember watching the Razor Rowdy takeover a few years ago, and and um, Kenton Bryant played, and uh-huh. Jonathan Singleton was up there playing guitar in Kenton's band, and it's like that's yeah, it's just cool. You never know what's gonna happen. You've seen a lot of people. I mean, we've been pretty um, strict on having bands play. Like if you're gonna play, please try to put a band together, you yeah. know, just for the dynamic of the bar to keep the volume up. It's loud in there. People are talking. You want to get. Um, get as much sound out of your music as you can. Um, a lot of these artists are kind of like, ah, well, I'll, let me see if I can find a bass player. And you've seen this this really cool collaboration, a lot of organic kind of groups finding themselves and somebody will play bass with somebody and the next time that it's like they attract one of their drummer friends and then you build these bands out. And I mean, before you know it, you get a guy like Grady Saxman who has played with more people at Whiskey Jam than probably anybody else and not saying Whiskey Jam was a, a part of that, um, the studios, but like that network that he was building in that scene at the time evolves into something much bigger. Yeah. Where you're making music with the right people, the, the friends that you were able to expose yourself with or to um, at these at these shows through the years. Yeah. Now, how do you balance? I'm sure you got asked this question. Like, mm-hmm. How do you balance all the stuff you're doing while also having ha- being being a dad Man. and having having the kids, having a great wife, like yeah. doing what you do? How do you keep it all together? It is tempting to do it, to to say yes to everything, um, and we have tried to for a long, long time, like take on everything we possibly can, build the, build stuff onto what we're doing. Um, but it's gotten to the point now as my kids are ranging from six to 11, there's four of them. There's a lot of important things that I need to be doing that are not building, you know, whiskey jam. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I want to have, uh, spent my time well here. Um, I wake up early. It's changed a lot since I stopped bartending because in the, for for a moment there, I was writing songs in the daytime a little bit. I was raising the family. I was bartending at night and then hosting Whiskey Jam um, once a week at that point. Uh, I was able to stop bartending when we started doing two. But I'd be up till 4 or 5 in the morning um, and then trying to balance the family. It's been rough. It's been a – it took me a long time to grow up and to balance myself and to know what to say yes and no to. And I think we're in a whole new season of that right now, like quality versus quantity of life, really, you know, of of responsibility. Um, The Apple show is very important to me. It takes a lot of my day up. Whiskey Jam is obviously very important to me. It takes a lot of my day up. But there's things that we can't do anymore that we don't have time for. I don't – I'm not passionate about. And, I mean, I'm I'm really lucky that I get to – I can choose what is – what I am fulfilled by versus um, having to take on every little thing. 
Um, I'm still, I'm still guilty of it though. Like if something, if a great idea comes up, we're trying to do something in about a month. That's like, we can make it happen. Um, but yeah, the plate is still incredibly full this year alone. Like with the old dominion tour starting has added another element that we never thought before. It's like, okay, you kind of had it leveled out. Now we're going to add in a couple weekends a month out on the road on a tour bus gone for three days. You still got to juggle everything else. It's like, you know, this will be a this will be a learning year too. Yeah, are any of the little ones, or I guess now they're becoming they're not as little anymore. Are yeah. any, any of the kids really taking a liking to the music thing and like got new experiences? I remember the anniversary, the um, the show at uh, the Ryman. Yeah, you had your daughter out there. Your, they, your daughter's we, out we there. We try to expose them to what they what they're able to see whiskey jam wise. They obviously can't come to the 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 twenty one and up show, but if there's things they can come see, great. They like music. We've had guitars hanging on the wall and sitting in stands around our house forever. Um, maybe I need to start hiding them, making it less accessible, you know, making it more of a secret if they have to dig under my bed to find it. Maybe then it'll be like a treasure. Um, none of them have really uh, been that interested, which is funny. If I'd seen a guitar when I was seven years old, I would have lost my mind. I mean, I remember seeing like a guitar case at my uncle's house one time. I was like, what is this magic uh, that's appeared? Um, they haven't really kind of uh been drawn towards it which is i'm fine with that i didn't start playing music by choice until i was like 17 and then it just kind of took over so who knows man might be coming around the bend yeah i might regret ever having all those (laughs) guitars laying around just like tempting them into doing it yeah um so where in mississippi did you grow up in memphis or northern mississippi i was born in hattiesburg mississippi um I lived there till I was two, or Mississippi till I was two. Moved to Memphis, so all I remember is is Memphis. Okay, and um, yeah, a nice Southern upbringing. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I've had good times, and we're actually going to Mississippi. I think next week we're playing the shows in Oxford and Starkville. Okay, and then we've done shows down in Hattiesburg and done stuff out in Memphis. And I like Mississippi a lot. That was where I was introduced to the delicacy of chicken gizzards. Oh, nice. Was the state of Mississippi <laughs> when Gary and Charlie from Muscadine tricked me. We're like, man, you got to try the gizzards. It's a delicacy. Oh wow, you, Yankee Yankee boy, you got to have the gizzards, man. You're with us. You it gotta. is a cultural. <laughs> It is a unique cultural place. I miss it. I was thinking about today. I was like, I haven't been to Louisiana in seven years. I haven't been to Mississippi in seven years. Um, and we used to go all the time. We used to go every six weeks down to my dad's family's in Mississippi in the Delta. My mom's family's in the uh, South Louisiana. So it was like really intense, unique cultures, but yeah. really um, intensely Southern. It was well-educated. It was very like uh, a cool cultural thing to be exposed to as a kid. Um, I don't get back there much. I have a few friends back in Memphis, uh, which is a great place to grow up. I think it's kind of doing cool things right now as far as, um, you know, evolving like Nashville is. There's parts in Memphis that people yeah. are like, oh, you'd never yeah. go down I got down a Memphis there. question for you. What's yeah. the better barbecue, Central or Rendezvous? Man, oh, gosh. Because <laughs> I've, <heard people, laughs> yeah. I've heard people argue over this before. Oh, for sure. Uh, I like Central dude, better. So we grew up on Poplar Avenue, like – Five minutes from the original Corky's. This is the oh, original Corky's okay. that was before they started shipping uh, ribs around the world. Before they had locations everywhere, um, and that was our that was our go to. So it was like that's what I knew. That's what I thought was Proximity, good. Yeah. Wet ribs from Corky's were it. The butter rolls that had like this buttery crispy crust on the bottom. That's what I thought was the greatest. And then later on in life, I discovered the dry ribs at Rendezvous, and I was like, 
this might be better. You know, I I hate to say it, but I, I for me, I like the flavor of the dry ribs better. And then it wasn't until I was on radio tour with David Nail, he was obsessed with barbecue. We were crisscrossing the country. We would be sounds, in a, sounds about right everywhere, man. Like anywhere there was that we were playing, we would seek out barbecue. And whether it was like country outside of Knoxville or Missouri or whatever it might be, um, there was always something. And when we got to Memphis, he was like, we got to do Central Barbecue. It's the best barbecue in the world. I was like, how do you know that? I've, I've literally my whole life never been. And there's tons of places in Memphis that I never tried the barbecue at. But we went, and it was immediately a game changer because they're not bound to one type of sauce. You have, like, the Carolina sauce. You have the Memphis sauce. You have the maple and the tomato, all the different types. Yeah. Um, and the, I don't know, it was just the the atmosphere at the original central I was like this is this is now a very special one so it's got its own spot i think my pulled pork at central wet ribs corky's dry at rendezvous yeah the dry ribs are nice because there's less cleanup and then are you a fixins guy too like are you a big mac and cheese oh yeah it's all he mac likes mcelaine over there he's from selma alabama uh-huh. he loves his fried okra that's his thing I've oh taken, yeah have you been to uncle bud's here in nashville no or here? where did i have some recently donaldson is they have a place called uncle bud's it's yeah all you can eat catfish and fried chicken and like they just bring out rounds oh, of okay. hush puppies yeah, yeah. like very which again coming from new york i was like what is this black magic like uh, what is this yeah what is this thing i've never seen before and he, this like fried okra and all that stuff. I'd never experienced it. Oh yeah. Growing up with, there was a uh, fried chicken restaurant down the street called Po Folks. It's so funny. Like that was a, they could call a place Po Folks. I mean, that's and where it was the term Po Boy comes from. Yeah. Home food, home cooking. And that was, yeah, that, I ate a, I had my weight in, in fried okra up there. Yeah. And, and it's, and then you've gotten to see Nashville like change a lot too. And like places come and go. Unbelievable over the years. change. And like a place like, Arnold's that recently closed. You talk right. about Nashville cuisine that's no longer here. The Man. the Hermitage the Hermitage Cafe, which when I was working on Broadway was a staple. Oh yeah, it's been gone now for I think like a year or two, which yeah. is still crazy. It's where we're sitting now. You know, was nothing. We would have been sitting on on nowhere. This part of Division Street was just open parking lot. You had the the Best Western next door. Uh, I used to play rounds down in the the Hall of Fame Lounge. That was one of my first places I ever played. Really? Yeah. And this stuff didn't exist. Across the street probably did exist where Pie Wagon was and stuff. But um, it's it's really crazy. And I say it, I, I'm going to regret not doing it. Um, I should drive around town now, like today, and just take a 20-minute drive and videotape the whole thing. And, be like, and here's this, and here's that, and here's this, and here's that. Because I'd love to have that video from 20 years ago. Um, you know, we, we'd be blown away to see the change and the progress in just the area. I don't know. I can't remember what the gulch was like. I used to go down to the Station Inn on Sunday nights and watch the bluegrass there, and I remember parking around back in a parking lot where uh, the W Hotel, or no, where the Thompson Hotel is now. But if you see pictures of that area back then, there was nothing. There was no... uh, apartments there were no, no stores no batch threat parties no nothing wings. like yeah. nothing which, which by the way the we we spent a lot of time out with uh we call him uncle bob with kid rock this summer oh nice that kid rock cut bro the nashville was it the nashville i knew yeah Dude, man i fucking love that song my my lone <laughs> cut my lone claim to fame um hey, you got the ryan nelson ones you got oh, a yeah, lot. You've, yeah. Been, you've been writing for years as far years. as like big major artists that you know have uh 
notoriety. How did you find out about that about Bob cutting that song? This was the one of the wildest stories of my Nashville time. Like I, we had just had the twins, um, 2016. We were up all night. And just adjusting adjusting to life with twins was wild because we had two older kids. We so had a two year old, a five year old, and newborn twins. And it's like okay, two and five would have been hard enough. It was a wild juggle, and I got sick in like January, right after they were born. And I was still bartending. I was still kind of social, very social, could be, could go out and whatever. People used to call me up, like, hey, man, come out. And um, somebody hit me up on a Sunday afternoon. It was like, hey, dude, you have to get down to Winners right now. And I said, dude, I'm sick. Can't do it. It feels like the flu, something not happening. They were like, uh, Kid Rock is in the bar singing your song, just like walking around the tables, drinking beer, singing uh, about Michelob Ultra. He said, if you don't get down here right now, he's not going to cut your song. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? What, the most preposterous statement just came out of your mouth. How is that even possible? What night of the week was this? It was a Sunday afternoon. Oh, jeez. And so he was just down there hanging out with um, like my buddy EJ Burnus and Tyler Reeve. And I, I, I can't remember. I never can keep it straight. Who introduced the song to him? And like, hey, man, if you, you ought to hear our buddy. He's got a song that says kind of like, Nashville's changing and we don't we don't like it and they let him hear it and he just fell in love with it and so that happened and I was like listen man if y'all are messing with me uh that's not cool but bottom line I can't get out of the house I'm too sick and so time went on that kind of legend uh was was funny to me but I I did an event in 2019 and Bob's fiddle player uh Fiddling Tim or something. Yeah, I think it's um, Tim. Tim was playing at this show, and I was like, uh, he's he was talking about living next door to Bob. He's like, yeah, man, we're uh, we got we're out on the farm together, whatever. Uh, he's got a new place down in uh, White House, wherever it was. Um, and I said, have you ever heard him singing a song about Nashville? And he was like, yeah. I was like, no, you, really? He goes, what is what the one about Michelob Ultra? <laughs> And I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, my gosh, and the highlighted hair. He goes, we drive around the farm singing that thing all the time. I was like, you're not kidding. You couldn't have invented this. You know, he couldn't have just pulled these out of thin air. And so uh, I knew it was real. I was like, that's so wild. How did he hear about it? How does he know? How does he care? And he must really like it. And so then fast forward to 2020, um, it was he was getting ready to for his 50th birthday, he was going to do a, a huge four, something like a rock album, a rap album, and a country album, and a 50-day tour. It was going to be his 50th year, just celebration. COVID got in the way of that, but he was still put all this stuff together, man. They called him up. It's like, hey, Bob wants to um, show you your song. I was like, what? And his manager uh, had me out to their place and brought me into this massive studio, this huge yes. uh, studio. It's incredible, like the the, the <laughs> rock wall it's stuff. Crazy. It's it's yeah. insane. Um, but the most insane part was when he was like, "Check it out!" Hits play, and it starts in line. It's like, what is this behind my? I, I didn't feel betrayed, but I was like, without me knowing, you went out and got these world class musicians and played this song and rewrote some of the words and made this like really cool moment and uh it existed and i'll 
through the years after after the pandemic, it kind of things changed, and they they reached out and last year and was like, hey man, we had to th- change some things around because of the way the those album structures worked. But this is one that Bob would not give up. You know, this one was going to be on the album, and lo and behold, there was on Bad Reputation. It's um, when I check every now and then, it's the least performing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of the least listened to, but um, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, you think back 20, so you've been in town for what, 20 years now? 20 years this coming summer, yeah. So 20 years ago, you, you tell your, oh, you find dude. out, yeah, that, that you have a song on a kid rock record. Yeah, You're it's like, insane. My, shit. my buddies that are super fans um, still are like, dude, how is this possible? You know, and it's it blows my mind. I'll text him every now and then and be like, hey, man, happy birthday. He's like, thanks, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you've gotten to meet, I mean, just all kinds of different people through just being, like, what you do here in town. Whether I it's mean, between between bar- Whiskey Jam and bartending at Tin Roof. Oh, bartending at Tin Roof, dude. You talk about networking opportunities. That was, that's one of the biggest things that I miss about growing up. You know, it's that was my uh, humbling introduction to so many people, and it was so important because me pouring your drinks, me doing something, me serving you just creates this dynamic. And if it, even if I come to you like saying, Hey, I know who you are. Like I'd love to meet you, whatever, really, but I'm still in that like humble servant position. And dude, that allowed me to meet so many people just getting credit cards. Be like, wait, you're Mike from Mike and the moon pies. You know, you should come play whiskey jam sometime. It, it ingratiates you to them immediately. Cause it's like, man, he's not, um, some, Executive or you, whatever. You're Somebody not going in the out business. of your way to germ. It's just conversation right. with the bartender. And I'm not like, yeah, I'm not like a show promoter or something. It's no, I'm I'm the bartender that hustles uh, nonstop. Man, I met so many great people. I had so many amazing moments. I made so many friends, even outside of the networking and and hustling moments. Just being there, you know, being the place that Lee Bryce would come over and get a quesadilla when all his kids were born. You know, like he'd take a little break from the hospital and come over and. Uh, take a shot of Jaeger with me and and take uh, lunch back to his wife. Jeez, you have that's wild. <laughs> the nights, I mean, the countless nights that I spent with Chris Young and Shay Mooney because um, they lived next door at Rhythm at yeah, the time. The, uh, tin Roof After Hours, I know, was a yeah. was a rite of passage. And dude, I'm sure like, it still is. It, it's changed a lot through the years. I saw a post recently. It was like, New Year, same regulars. And I looked through, I was like, I don't know any of them, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe, maybe one guy was familiar. It's changed, and you don't expect it to, to stay the same through the years, but... Yeah, like those, those kind of the 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 peaks and valleys. You have these wild eras where it's like every Thursday night the Vandy crowd would come out and it would be busy, 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 make a bunch of money. But then you had these seasons where it was like nobody came out on Tuesday nights, and you had to call your friends and say come into the bar. And you had these magic moments where um, the celebrities and the people that lived in in the in the area they felt comfortable in those valleys. You know, like I can go to a bar and be myself and sit up and like watch basketball and eat a whole pizza and nobody's gonna be asking for my autograph or whatever. And I think, man, that that's one thing that I hope will continue to exist in Nashville. It was such an important part of my upbringing and of the tin roof culture that is, that established so many artists being comfortable being out. Uh, you, you lose that in the downtown scene. Now there's not a, a yeah. place where even as as safe and VIP as it might be, you emerge from there and there's the like yeah. it's just not cool. Um, I think it's so important to have comfortable, safe places that allow artists. And it's like it's not so they can have a place to go 
drink or whatever. Like they need a place to be social with their friends. And, if you don't, if you don't have that social place or you don't have that opportunity, you can yeah. get into a real dark spot. And you can, you can spiral real yeah. quick. And so Tin Roof is, is, has been very important to so many artists and, and me, um, through the years. I, I don't get there hardly ever anymore, which is a shame. I used to stop by on my way home from Whiskey Jam, like, oh, I'll stop in for one, but you do that a couple of times. It's like, that's not the greatest. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Makes well, carpool hard. So you probably remember right when Revival was getting started. Revival was happened. huge. Because to me, that's, that's as, as someone who does Tuesday nights on the Mumbry and over at Live yeah. Oak, it's like, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing mm-hmm. if it weren't for Revival. Like, Revival kind of kicked, Revival walks so that in the round right. what we do and with Ray and Nikki team what he does and does all the stuff was such a cool thing and I think it's almost in my mind it is a cooler more um authentic thing than Whiskey Jam it was always so committed to its it had tenets you know it had commandments basically like church it, pew man I know and you lived by it and they attracted a different level of artist than we were able to attract because no matter how fun and dynamic Whiskey Jam is it there are some people like, I mean, I remember early on, Ashley Monroe and um, Holly Williams would come and, and hang, and I'm like, you guys got to play sometime. And they're like, we're not playing in this room. Nobody's going to listen to us. This is too much. Some people like the challenge, but if you're an artist and you have your thing figured out, there's no need to try to battle a, a bustling crowd to to listen to your art and your heart. Yeah. Um. So what Revival had, what they lacked in the bustling crowd, they had, uh, they made up for in really appreciative audience, however big or small it might be, and really um, committed artists sharing just the songs, you know, and the ones that, that meant something. It was really well done uh, as far as the curation from the, from even from the early days uh, and throughout um, the guys that were doing that from Rob Snyder and Chris Canterbury and Vinny and, um, Who's who did it at the very beginning? Um, I thought Rob and those guys. There was somebody at the very beginning. Channing was involved. There was somebody at the very beginning. I can't remember. He it was a a misunderstanding one night, and he, he they parted ways. But it was always very artistically like focused, yeah. which I respected. And yeah, man, I met so many great artists there. If the rule on Tuesdays um, when I was bartending at Tin Roof when Revival was going on, if they got me out from behind the bar. I would go introduce myself and get them on Whiskey Jam. That was just like a, you know, you give it a look, you're making drinks, you're like, that sounds good, dude. And you lean around, you're like, who is this guy, girl, whatever. And then if it's like, Dad Gummit, you got to go back there and look at him. It's like, this is great. You know, I met so many artists playing that show that then you get to come down to Whiskey Jam and throw on the full band and have a totally different experience. Yep. But um, they've had some of the best. And the allegiance they have from guys like Brent Cobb and – Adam Hood just goes to show, and I mean Luke coming back and doing. My, I was gonna say my first revival. I yeah. moved October 2018. It was the night where they, as they, as they referred to it, the the 300 pound club. All three of them were on the pew. It was when she got the best of me. Was number oh, one. Wow, yeah. It was Channing, Rob, and Luke. Yeah. Luke in his in his Crocs, a black t shirt with a Miller Light, just singing right. his ass off, and they the three of them just up there together, Channing and Rob with their guitars. And I was like, holy shit, I'm in Nashville. I moved like three days earlier, and I was like, all right. Oh wow. I I've been, I've been, I'm in the right place. I think that's really important for people to have in those early days. I mean, you just got to be, you got to get out and see everything you can and find and have those moments because they happen all the time. I mean, I see it. I I, I had so much, so many in my early days, I, I kind of miss them now, but they serve their purpose. You know, you need to get out and 
see those magical moments, bump into the stars at the on a on a Broadway on a weekend night, you know. But you said working down at Whiskey Row, you oh, see dude. so much crazy yeah, stuff I was come a, and go. Yeah, dude. It's all kinds of stuff. Just be out and immerse yourself in it because it's so important in that in your lay in your Nashville foundation. Those are the stories that you're gonna go and keep telling forever. And uh it they're out there, you know, whether you're in the the current Red Door social crowd that is yeah, that's, you, dude. so ubiquitous right now. Well, well, how long has Red Door been there, and what was it like back Red Door's been day? a thing it forever. Been a thing? It's been a thing forever. I mean, I've, I've been going there not as much as Tin Roof, but occasionally for 20 years, and you get uh, – it's a little bit of a different crowd. I remember it always being kind of more Chicago-y, like with the old style and well, the Cubs they, were always you, on. You can get a shot of Malort there, and I get that oh, for, really? my, for my young song. Everybody's like, I don't drink anymore, but yeah. my young songwriter buddy, I'm like, okay, you're you're out with me for the first time. I'm going to buy you a drink. Right. Here's a shot. Oh, it's this magical thing called Malort that they only have in Chicago, and this is a Chicago yeah. bar, and they shoot it, and they never – Right. <laughs> they usually walk away from me. Right. Away for, yeah. um, no, Red Door's been a, a, like a songwriter kind of divey bar for a long time, but it's – since Midtown has become kind of this sacred area, uh, this protected zone, I think the things that have been there so long have have become even more sacred and protected. So you have a lot of people spending a lot of time at Red Door because it feels like it feels old. You know, the floor feels old, the bar looks old. The the you, you see the renovations, but you also see the things that have been there for the whole time. Um, and you want to be a part of that history. You know, you can't really tap into old Nashville and the things that built this city if you're only hanging out in the newest of the new places and yeah. and things that have no history and no soul it's like you're you're so attached to it's it's a good thing to get in those places and attach yourself to the roots and you know Bobby's Idol Hour great example yep. Although it's changed locations a few times, the still a vibe when you go in this new the spot. The roots of that place, yep. I mean, run so deep in in the true music row area. Um, I think, I hope those places are going to be around for a while. I think some of them might be a little bit of an endangered species, but as as things change, man, the importance of those places from the Tin Roof, from Bobby's, from Red door to even places on even places on Broadway where you have that little stretch of from fifth to like midway through fourth where you have legends and yeah. Tootsies and um you've got like Rob, Rob, Roberts and Layla's bro yeah. and go in again the fried bologna sandwich at like two in the morning yeah at, Rob, at Layla's or Roberts is a keep right some things sacred uh we hear it and see it all the time in town here the the people coming through and buying stuff up and the Nashville staples kind of changing hands and it being depressing and people getting upset that they can't go to their favorite restaurants or go to their favorite uh, venue that they haven't been to in 15 years. You know, it's like some of that is just what it is. You know, Arnold's perfect example. She was wanting to sell it. They're going to reopen it somewhere else. It yeah. was one of the primest real estate spots in that area. It's yeah, like cash out and go you just gotta, somewhere else. Yeah. You can't protect that from happening. It'd be like, if you had a like a legit saloon downtown, progress <laughs> comes along and things yeah. things change. People, you can't live forever, but um, I do think it's important to to save some of that sacred soul part portion of uh, of the town. I'm glad Whiskey Jam is a kind of baked into the the, yeah. the the last part of the uh, the 2000s. There, you know, it really it really is. Now, a few questions wrapping up here. Your first time meeting Ryan Nelson and your favorite Ryan Nelson story. 
because Ryan's like a fixture of what we do within the round. He's kind of like a fixture yeah. of Whiskey Jam, too. Like oh, we, yeah. We joke around. He's been out. We've done touring with Ryan where he's come out and open for Trey, and he'll go through all different nights where some nights he's Randy Nelson, some nights he's Ronnie Nelson, yeah. some nights he's Ricky Nelson, who's like a dirt track driver. Like he's, well, oh, he's man. Just, like you get Ryan Nelson. It's, you have some wild times. I've had some fun experiences with Ryan, man. Uh, I cannot really pin down when I met him. It must have been through Jordan Fletcher. Um, and I don't know how, I don't know how those guys crossed my path. And I'm so glad they did because they've become such great friends. Um, Ryan and I have spent a weekend at a, a house in the mountains in Georgia, you know, drinking and writing songs and sitting in the hot tub. Um, he's been out to my house in one of my old houses or where we used to live in Hendersonville, um, hanging out one night, just building a fire. And oh, dude, Ryan singing, Nelson. Brian Nelson fire. He can sorry. he can do a he can build a good fire. Um, <laughs> singing songs for for me and Jordan and my brother in law. It was just really cool things that don't really happen that often for me. I don't get out with uh. I don't have that. I don't have that many close friends these days with our family. So it's great to have cool moments like that. Um, you all right? You all right, sweet boy? <laughs> all right. Usually he's drinking beer. He's just drinking water today. Um, oh, he might have it. Oh, you could. All right, cool. He's probably coughing and he's got a Copenhagen in. So that's a, that's a challenge right there. That's a skill. But, um, but yeah, that it's, it's been cool to get to know like Ryan and watch him. Like I said, he was my first whiskey jam memory was watching a guy like Ryan Nelson. I remember, I think I remember you saying it too, that like if whiskey jam had a face, like Ryan, a guy like Ryan Nelson, he's got to have one of the higher play records. Of oh, whiskey for sure. Jam he's he's years. played there more than most other people. Uh, it was, when they first got to town, I, I started doing something with him and Jordan Fletcher and Joe Fortner a few years ago in for the, our yeah, anniversary the, show. Yeah, they had the frat house, the three of them. I was like, the I think I want to. I want you guys to play our anniversary show every year, you know, just so we can see the progression through the years as things are going. Because at that point in time, um, they were all kind of on the cusp, on the verge, doing cool stuff. And it was great to see, you know, like, and it really did. They were writing great songs. They were hitting the road. The things that Ryan has done out yes. with, you know, going out with Jelly Roll and Jordan getting his deals in place. It's like, yeah. you all right, sweet boy? You good? Yeah, I'm going to get <laughs> You sure? You can you you pause if you want. <laughs> Let me get to that real quick. <laughs> He's all good. <laughs> Should be good. All right. There you go. Roll Tide. Oh, you're good. That's good. <laughs> um, uh, 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 yeah, so I had th those guys were playing the first three spots at, at the anniversary show through the years. This will be the first year um, that they that I don't think they will. I was like, I just don't want to do it. You don't want to do it forever to when it gets like whatever awkward or like is any yeah. kind of competition. But it was really important to me to kind of bring them around and watch that uh, progress in the first few years in Nashville and what what all can happen with guys that are that fun, that different, that uh, committed to to doing it yeah and guys that are just part of the scene at that time like doing the rounds at because they were doing revival too oh yeah they were doing stuff at frisky frogs or oh my or, gosh or play, frogs, playing yeah. at playing blue bar playing um where was what was uh randy mcfadden's the the um threesome thursdays oh man was they used to do twosome yeah. or threesome thursdays every every time every kind of era has their schedule. You know, like when I moved to town, I had the same deal. It was like Monday nights, I'd be in line at the Bluebird Cafe. Tuesday, we'd go to um, 
what's it called? Uh, Douglas Corner. Wednesday we another, go to another spot Eskimo Joe's, there. and like every night you had the place you'd hit up, and it just kind of evolves through the years. And um, yeah, those are, those are the ones everybody finds their those guys found their places to be. I'm I'm glad that in the round exists as a thanks man in that world now. Too, I don't know a, how you do two nights a week every yeah. week. I don't know how the hell you do it. It's a lot, man. Sometimes I wish I was uh, I had picked something that's much more cut and dry. You know, nine to five or like. Working at Lowe's has always but, been very but appealing. But, dude, I appreciate what you're – like, Like, if you hadn't done that, the scene wouldn't be – like, and I mean that honestly. It wouldn't be what it is right now without you doing – without you busting your ass. And guys guys like, like Rob down at um, down at Tin Roof with Revival yeah. and, like, it really has paved the way for – to where every night of the week now, for the most part, you have original music in it's, Midtown. It's a labor of it's love, cool. man. Uh, it is It is hard work. It is stressful. It is frustrating through the years. I mean, nothing changes. I, I'm still to the – the night before I get text okay, regularly where it's like, hey, man, I can't make it tomorrow. It's like, am I still scrambling to fill spots the night before? <laughs> I guess so. But I've never left a Whiskey Jam event not – Unful, you know, unfulfilled, unsatisfied, unrefreshed. I've never not gotten the spirit. And I think when that happens, that happened with my former partner, Josh Hogue. He was, I was like, dude, this is amazing. You, you see what's going on right here? 2015 uh, was when we split up. And um, I was like, this is, every night is incredible. Like we're watching magic happen. And he goes, man, I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable being here. And he was, social reasons you know like he didn't like crowds as much as i did he didn't feed off that energy he did go and do a young thing man like i was that was the time he had for it um but oh shoot where was it going with that um labor of love the passion oh yeah but but it's um sorry despite his kind of what am i saying i got it i just got to reset myself sorry i got lost um when when he kind of exited, I was like, okay, I need to fully embrace this, you know. And I I see this for something different than um, than I think a lot of the world does. And I want to make everybody get the most out of it. And so I'm there. I mean, I pride myself on being there. I think it's awesome when people haven't been for a long time and they're like, oh my gosh, you're still here, you know. And it's never like, a, oh man, Ward's still here. It's like, wow, you still come out on Monday nights and like wrap cables and fix speakers and turn the lights on and off and set the cameras <laughs> up like, while doing photos if you need yeah, to yeah man I'll, I'll whatever take, you've got to do i'll take pictures and it's just to kind of facilitate the vibe and to make again make everybody appreciate it because i know what you can get out of that show i know if it looks right if it feels right if the if the crowd is there if everybody's got enough drinks that it can be one of the most magical things in in music in Nashville. Yeah. And I want to share that. And I'm, as long as that's able to continue, uh, as long as other people are picking up on it, I hope it, uh, we're able to keep doing it. Amen, man. And I appreciate you guys letting me do a takeover. Oh, dude, it's for me, it's be... the most like full circle thing that's happened to me in Nashville. Cause again, yeah. my, like the, when I came to visit, like my first night visiting in town was mm-hmm. Ryan Nelson singing show up drunk the night it came out. Like it's, it's going to be and massive. 20, and now to do it, I've got family coming down from New York. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. they're, they're, so, and it's there. So it's my, my like aunts, I've got like aunts and uncles from, from Jersey that have mm-hmm. never been down here. 
that are coming to visit for the first time since I moved down here. Yeah. And they're coming down and they're coming to whiskey jam. And I'm like, and they've been asking me like, what are you, I'm, I'm not even like telling them, like giving them an expectation once they're spent. Like just, you're going to take in a lot of music because you don't get music like that on a Monday night anywhere else in the world. Right. Besides Nashville, Tennessee and the lineup that we've got too, like super stoked. Off and the charts. We got, we got Trey Lewis, Ella Langley, John Morgan, Josh Ross, Tyler Halverson, Austin Snell, Farron Rachels and S.J. McDonald. Nuts. Which is a mix of, I think all of them have played. I don't think, yeah. we're, I don't Every, think we're popping any cherries. Everybody's played before. A couple of them might have played the same night, but all of them at once, is, it's probably too much. <laughs> no, it's that's going to be one that's like lying down the street before the before the first person. That's what I'm hoping. A hundred thousand percent. It's just it's just packed, and you'll have the the upstairs. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's not like pouring rain or snow. And knock on right, knock on wood, because it is a Jan. That's the risk you run into with January shows, and then yeah. the, not having the upstairs deck. Open. It'll be good. Yeah. Oh, I'm very It'll excited. Be a killer night. Yeah, and we're actually doing the um, the night before mm -hmm. if you're available. We're doing um, at the at my my family got like a, like an Airbnb thing. Oh, cool! And they are doing a pasta dinner for everybody that's playing and oh, nice. in the crew. So if you the fam want to come by, get okay. some New York style penne alla vodka, chicken parmesan. Like oh, dang! The we were talking about barbecue earlier. Yeah, uh, my family's got that that Italian stuff on lock. So oh, that sounds awesome. So that that Sunday night we'll we'll have have some watch some uh, chill out and get everybody hanging out and eating pasta. Beautiful. together it'll be, it'll be as it good. should be yeah sunday dinner a family yeah. thing Sun yeah exactly man and and that's the thing too is that to be a part of the get to be a part of the jam fam it, it means a lot for real to be doing a takeover Dude, and i'm i'm so excited we wouldn't be anything without people uh collaborating and contributing through the years it's uh, that's been one of the big things that's kept us alive and growing you know yeah. other, other people's input and and tastes and that this will be one of those nights where i can get to sit back and go dang this is I'm enjoying this as much as anybody else. Yeah, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a good time for sure, and and to be a part of January is a big thing too, because the perfect, following week perfect is time, the man. anniversary show, which know, is the best like, of the year. You, I, you, I, I love the indoor <laughs> shows. The outdoor shows are great too, yeah. but for me, there's something about being in a crammed asses to elbows yeah. winners that just feels right. It's, it's like gonna... this is whiskey jam to me. Is just when it's the epicenter of the scene. Yeah, on a Monday night. I. Uh... I hope we. You've set the bar so high on yours. I'm like, I hope we can. <laughs> I hope no, it's are good. You kidding me? The anniversary show is going. Anniversary is going to be great, man. We got some good friends on that one. Yeah. Um, the it's it's funny to look back at the flyers through the years on those anniversary shows. It's like, dang, man. <laughs> some of them in my mind, I was like, it was the all stars of all time, and it's like, it really was just like your friends that you thought were making great music at the time, and you had it built up in your head to be this this amazing event, and it was. And I think it's like that that kind of love of it and the confidence in it spreads to the people who are watching on whatever socials and saying like this looks like this guy really cares you know they yeah. they really excited about this event must be something we're seeing so amen well um appreciate you coming on and yeah, hanging dude. out dude i know you got to get down to get down to winners to do the it's damn a, thing on a thursday night it's yeah. about that time um really appreciate you um everybody can find you what's at ward gunther yeah at whiskey jam Yep. All the um, stuff on Apple. Whiskey Jam and Ward Gunther, the Apple show. Easiest way is just to say, hey, Siri, play Apple Music Country. If you go in your app, um, hit the music app. There's a radio button at the bottom in the middle, and I'm on every day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Central, live from right down the street. So, uh, Awesome. Love to get to know you. Awesome. And then plug the Old Dominion thing again real quick. For yes, any, we'll any be hitting the road in North America, all across uh, America and Canada this year. Opening up for 
Old Dominion in their arena tour. Uh, no bad vibes. We're bringing Frank Ray, Cassie Ashton, and Graylin James Hell on the yeah. U.S. dates. We've got Sean Austin and Stephen Lee Olson in Canada along with Frank. It's gonna be crazy. I've, I've, it starts next week, and I'm like, I, I have no idea what to expect to assume. It's just a wild new frontier for us, man. Awesome, man. Well, guys. Um Honestly, this was this was a blast, dude. Really appreciate yeah. you coming and hanging. Um, guys, thanks for watching another edition of the In The Round podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, that like button. Tell your mama and them. Be sure if you're here in Nashville, of course, be at Whiskey Jam on Monday and Thursday nights. If you're coming to visit Nashville, bring come to Whiskey Jam. Bring your friends to Whiskey Jam. And be sure to check out our boy Ward Gunther on Apple Music Country. Shout out to the sponsors, Whaletail Media, Saxman Studios, um, our friend Mitch Wallace with The Digital Marketing Agency, and our friends at Pickle jar live uh use promo code itr at sign up pickle jar live the world's biggest tip jar over well, sweet boy behind the camera my man ward over here you all have a great rest of your day and uh appreciate you listening this has been the in the round podcast